Okay. Uh, Booker Tov. Today, um, uh, today's, today's daf is uh, Yud Aleph 11, and uh, we pick up um, at the bottom of Yud Amud Bet. Um, and um, the Gemara says like this. Um, okay. Uh, we are Zarei Sukkah Gabiyah Sukkah. We'll read that. So it's about ten lines from the bottom line starts with the word Zehare. And the issue here is the following. The Mishnah said that if somebody is in a, um, sleeps under a canopy in a sukkah, they don't fulfill their obligation. If, however, they sleep under a teepee-shaped canopy um, with two poles at the end rather than four and like a bar, you know, going, um, going horizontal, um, then it's okay because then it doesn't create a separate roof. If it's not a tefach on the top, it's not a separate roof. That seems reasonable enough. Um, then came along a lenient reading of um, of, um, uh, of Rabbi Yudama Shmuel that said that even if it is a um, roof, um, you do you know uh, like a normal roof, it's only a problem if it's tents fucking high. Only then is it like you're in a separate zone in a separate tent. But if it's a lower roof, if you know it's a lower canopy, it's not a problem. So you needed two criteria to have a roof for you to this tent in the sukkah and for it to be ten fucking high. But the Gemara had a bright uh, that seemed to say either criteria was a problem, not both. Actually, let's start again from asking from the bright and we'll pick it up from there. So it says like this. It says, um, Tashma. So we'll go even, we'll, we'll, we'll start earlier. It's about 20 lines from the bottom. The line starts with the word from Gavoa Asara. Okay? So the Gemara says, Tashma. Do people see where I am? But yeah, about 20 lines on that. Okay, Tashma. Oshapires Algabe Kinofot Psula. Okay, so the mission says that if you spread it um, on a um, uh, on top of the like four poster, you know, the four poles, um, which is what the kinofot is, it's invalid. That's only so Shmuel says that would only be when it's ten fucking high. The halokhtani hachi, but that wasn't what the brayta teaches the time. We taught him brayta. Nakliting shnayim, the nakliting which is okay, are two posts at opposite ends of the bed. So you know it forms a teepee because if you have a bar between them. The kinofot arba'an, the kinofot is like a four-poster bed. Piers agab the kinofot psulat, but some the kinofot is invalid because it creates a roof on top. Abogad me nakliting shera on the nakliting where it makes a teepee, it's okay. Ubilvad shelo yei nakliting gavomi namitasara. So, uh, provided that the nakliqin are not ten tzfachim off of, um, off of the bed. Which basically means that either criteria is enough to invalidate. Hey, welcome back. Either ten tzfachim or a roof. Not that you need both to invalidate. Either is enough to invalidate. So, Gemara says, Michlal, and from that you can infer, the kinofot, when you have the four posters and you have the roof, Thank you so much. Even though it is not ten fachim high, one or the other, either roof or ten fachim, is enough to invalidate. As opposed to what Shmuel said, which is you need both criteria to invalidate. So the Gemara says no. Shani kinofo tikaviti. Kinofo are different. These po- these are poles attached to a bed are more fixed. It's not as like of a temporary type of a pup tent. You know, it's a real like fixed feature, and as a fixed feature, we're going to be strict, and therefore, Shmuel was talking about a more temporary tent. A more temporary tent, you needed two things. You needed a roof, and it to be ten fucking high to be a problem. A more type of a fixed feature, an attachment to a bed, there it's going to be invalid with one or the other. Either ten fucking high, even if it's a teepee, or a roof, even lower. Okay, so the difference whether you need two criteria or one is a question about whether it is a fixed type of a tent, a, you know, or, or a highly temporary one. We're on Yud Amad Bet near the bottom. So the Gemara says like this. 
Zaharei sukkah gabi hasukkah. What about a sukkah on top of a sukkah, which we know is invalid? Dikvi, that's obviously a more fixed structure. You're not like moving one sukkah away from the other. It's very fixed. And v'amar shmuel kechsher kach and Shmuel, well, it's the same Shmuel, but Shmuel says the same way it's valid with ten tfachim, it invalidates with ten tfachim. So how is so there? Is so that so you, so you see the Shmuel is consistent. Shmuel says to create a problem, like there are two types of problems. One is you have two kosher schachs, but it's a special invalidity we learned of yesterday. Sukkah Everything is really totally kosher, but somehow a double sukkah, the bottom one is invalid. And there we said that the height for the top one to invalidate the bottom one is it has to be ten tefachim removed. That's what Shmuel said. The same Shmuel said that when you have something which logically is even more problematic, you're in a tent inside your sukkah, so you're really in an invalid space, right? You're not in a sukkah. But there also, for the tent to be a problem, it has not enough that has a roof, it has to be ten tefach. In both cases, Shmuel demands a roof and ten tefach. That's fine. But we just said in order to resolve Shmuel with a contradiction, that when it's a fixed feature, even one of the criteria is enough. Either roof or ten tefach. So if that's true, why by the sukkah under the sukkah do you need both criteria? Obviously it has a roof and you have ten tefachim. So the Gemara says, no. Amri, you can say, hasam de la misl sukkah de asara. There, basically, basically it's, it's, it's there you have a kosher sukkah and it's invalidating the sukkah below it. So there, you're going to need a really serious sukkah above to invalidate the one below it. You need ten tefachim. You need something that both has the roof and ten tefachim and something that functions as a real sukkah above if you want it to invalidate the one below. Because it's the principle of sukkah tachas a sukkah. So the top thing has to be a sukkah. Here, you're in a tent inside of a sukkah. You don't have to call the thing you're inside a sukkah. The thing you're inside isn't a sukkah. Anyway, it's a tent. So you don't need the same criteria. You just have to say you don't have to. You're not, you, you just have to say you're basically in a separate zone. You're not underneath your sukkah. So we could be strict even less than ten tefachim if it is a fixed type of a tent. Okay. So again, what are we saying? We're saying the special invalidity, which is a little bit you know hard to understand what the whole problem is. A double decker sukkah that we can make high demands until it invalidates. The top thing has to be ten fucking high. It has to have a roof. We even discussed yesterday. Maybe it has to be fit for living in it. The floor won't collapse when you try to go into the double decker sukkah. That's in order for that special invalidity. Now we're dealing though with something which is a more obvious problem. You're in a tent in your sukkah. You're really in your sukkah, or the roof on top of you is your tent. Maybe you're not considered in your sukkah. So Shmuel says the general rule there is two criteria: ten fachim high and a tefach and a roof, not a tipi. But to deal with contradictions, we say that when you have something more fixed, not like a pop tent, but something more fixed, then even one of those criteria will be enough to invalidate. Okay. Now, another statement in the name of Shmuel, and you'll see it's of a similar vein. Um, so if you're in a kila, which is, again, this type of a, um, of a uh, temporary pup tent, which is uh, has a roof on top, but is less than ten fucking high. So that's the one that Shmuel would say, if you're in that in a sukkah, it doesn't invalidate, because it's temporary and it's less than ten fucking high. Similarly, if you're sleeping in your bed that's covered by this pup tent, and you're naked on, on your bed, and you stick your head outside of the tent, and the rest of your body is in the tent, you can say Kriyas Shema. Why? Because, why don't you say, what do you mean you say Kriyas Shema? You're naked. No. Because the whole point of Shmuel is, is that this type of a pup tent 
it's temporary, it's less than 10 tfachim, so it's considered basically not like you're under a tent. It's considered basically just like you're under a sheet. It's just a little air between you and the sheet. <laughs> but it's not considered to create a separate, you know, house or a separate space and you're naked in that space. You know, you're basically, no, you're, you're clothed. You're cloaked with this tent. All right? And therefore, you can just stick your head outside. Now, you might say, even if you're clothed with it, right, if you're wearing, let's say, a robe and there's nothing underneath, we have a normal halakha principle that that's not enough, that you need something separating your heart from your genital area. Liba roa erva. You know, why you need a belt or the band of your underwear. So if you take a little quick look at Tosos, he says, Moti rosha chutzlakila, lochaya shmuel liba roa erva. Shmuel doesn't hold that's a problem. <laughs> okay? So you're basically naked underneath a robe. The robe here is being called a kila. Okay, or the kila is being called a robe. But that's the same idea. It's not considered a tent. It's considered just a covering on you. Okay. Um, so the Gemara says, I'll ask you on this. We have a bright that says explicitly you're not allowed to do it. So the Gemara says, Same answer as before. Fine. That's when it's higher than ten. That's when he admits that that's obviously a separate, that's obviously like a tent and a separate space, not something that's just covering you. You know what? That makes sense. That, that's, that when the Brighton says it's invalid is when it's ten fucking high. Why? The end says, what's this like? Stick, sticking your head under from outside of your tent right? when it's invalid. What's that like? Like if you're naked in your house. You can't just stick your head outside of a window. So it doesn't help. So what? You're, you're, you're under a tent. If you're naked in your house, you're still naked. It's not clothing. So since it compares the tent reality with the house reality, presumably we're dealing with some similar type of a scenario. And therefore, Shmuel says, that's, that, that, is, you know, that adds credence to the claim that we're talking about a tent that's ten fucking high. If the tent was lower, it would not make much sense to compare it to the case of the house. So Shmamina, so that is a, that is a good point. Okay, yes, it's a good point that when it's ten fucking high, that, that this idea that the kila is a separate zone is, not, is only when it is ten fucking high. And now the Gemara says, Ubayis Nami, by the way, don't get us mixed, don't, don't confuse the comparison of a house to the tent. The tent has to be ten fucking high because as we said, when it's impermanent, when it's more temporary and, you know, sort of like a pup tent thing, it needs two criteria, ten fucking and a roof. A house is more permanent. So therefore, if you had a house not less than 10 fucking high, I don't know what type of a house would be less than 10 fucking high, but whatever. You had a permanent structure less than 10 fucking high, even the kviya, since it's fixed, then it is an mikinofes. It's not different from the case of the posts. Okay? Um, meaning, and Rashi, by the way, points in, and I don't know if you sort of picked up, but that's sort of like a later gloss. You know, that's sort of like, you can hear the, you know, it's like Shmuel's answer, and then, the, that, then it seems like there's like a later gloss here to try, that's just making sure we connected all the dots. Like, oh yeah, we already pointed out that if it's permanent, then even if it's less than 10 fachim, so let me just make a point that the comparison of the kila to the house shouldn't be confused, and the house, by the way, if it's less than 10 fachim, is also going to be a problem. So, what have we said now? We said, the Mishnah says that if you're under a roof tent, it's invalid. Shmuel limits it. Shmuel says only when you have two criteria, ten fachim and a roof. 
Okay, but because of different things that he has to reconcile, he has said that that's only in a case when it's temporary, something that's more fixed and established, like a house or like the posters of a bed, the poles on a more on a bed, which is not like just a pup tent, you open it and you close it or whatever, those things, even one of the two criteria would make it considered like you're in a separate space, in a separate tent, and therefore it would be invalid. Either tent Shachem high or a rooftop. Okay, TP tent Shachem high is a problem, rooftop less than tent Shachem is a problem. Now here's another version of the similar discussion. And from here to the Mishnah it's going to be pretty similar, you know, with a little bit, with some variation. Amila, here's a different version of the way they say this over. Um, I'm Rabbi Shmuel. Says Rabbi in the name Shmuel. Um, um, you can dwell in a So, so here it's different. Before it said, he said, even though it has a roof, it's okay if it's less than ten. Here it is saying, okay, if it if it doesn't have a roof, it's okay even though it's higher than ten. Uh, to people here, it's basically the flip, right, mm-hmm. of, the, of what we said before. Before we said, if it has a roof, it's okay if it's less than 10. Here we said, if it doesn't have a roof, it's okay even though it's higher than 10, which basically boils down to, to be a problem, you need both, right? You need both criteria. You need 10 and a roof. So here he's saying the flip side, that even though it's 10, if it doesn't have a roof, meaning if it comes to a point, if it's a teepee, it's okay. Mesve says, Gemara, I'll ask you on this. Hayashem bekila besuka lo yati de chavasa. If you're in this tent, you're not, it's not good. No, Fine. That's the case where not only it's ten, but it has a roof. Tashma nakliting shnei bekinofos arba. The nakliting which are good are two posts, so it's a tipi. The kinofos are four, so it's a tent. Agab here is agab bekinofos psula. If you do it on the kinofos, on the then it's not good. You have a roof. Agab in nakliting sheira. The nakliting is okay because it's a tipi. Ubuvat shelo yehu nakliting minamita asara. As long as it's not ten fucking high. So this one is the bright that we had. We started with before that says either criteria is enough. Even if it's a t- even if it's a tent, even if it's a teepee, ten tefachim high is a problem. So if that's true, that was Shmuel's case. Shmuel said ten tefachim is not a problem when it's a teepee. This says ten tefachim is a problem even if it's a teepee. So Gemara says hagavoim minamita asarap sula. So you see, once it's ten tefachim high, it's invalid. Afapisha in lagag, although it doesn't have a roof, even though it's a teepee, which is against what Shmuel said. No, same answer. Shani nakritin dikvi. The nakritin are different. They're fixed to the bed, and therefore, because it's more fixed, ten tefachim is a problem even without a, even without a roof. So again, Shmuel says to be a problem, you need two things: ten tefachim and a roof. Okay, but that's his kila case. In the earlier version, he emphasized even though it has a roof, it's not a problem. If it's not ten, here he's saying even though it's ten, it's not a problem. If it's not a roof, but basically, it's the same point. You need both criteria. What do you do with the brighter that speaks about the posters to the bed, the poles on the bed, that says that either ten or a roof? So it says, eh, that's because that's more permanent. Therefore, there, either ten or a roof. I'm dealing with a kilo, less permanent. I need both criteria. So the Gemara says, if it's more permanent, why isn't it as bad as the kinofos? The kinofos, the four poles, are a problem even lower than ten tfachim. Why is this problem only higher than ten tfachim? The two poles? No. Relative to the kinofos, it's less permanent. Relative to the kila, it's more permanent. Now, there actually was an easier answer, because the four, which Tesla points out, the four poles, you have a roof. 
That's why it's a bigger problem. But again, but we can assume that's what the Gemara means. So again, you have your two scenarios, right? You've got your, you've got your tent here, you know, which is ten fucking high, but it comes to a roof. And then you've, you've got you have your TV, and then you've got your normal thing, which is I don't know, we'll call, we'll call it nine fucking high, okay? But it, so, so this is only one. So this this has a roof. This is tefach that has a roof. This has the yudfachim, okay? But ain't tefach, okay? So. Are these a problem? Each one of these has one of the criteria, right? This has the this has the roof criteria. This has the ten shvachim criteria. The writer basically says that each one is a problem on the bed. That's the kinofos and the naklitim. Okay, this is the kinofos. Can I get that right? Which is which? Let's take a look. Yeah, this is the naklitim. This is the naklitim, and this is the kinofos. The writer says that each one of those is a problem, either the tefach or the ten shvachim. Shmuel says only both of them. And the basic answer is that Shmuel's case, that these are all attached to a bed, okay, I guess this would be like a uh, side view on your bed, yes, your bed, anyway. Okay, these are all attached to a bed, okay, uh, whatever, well, that's actually not a bad example, but you get the idea. Anyway, these are all attached to a bed, so therefore they're more permanent, and therefore one of the criteria is enough. Shmuel's case is a pup tent, and in his case of a pup tent, which is less permanent, or something like a pup tent, right, therefore you're going to need both criteria. You're going to need to put both tents often and have that. That's not so obvious. Then, then the Gemara says, not obvious at all. What does this permanence have to do with his yeah. concept of being a tent? We'll see something that somewhat touches on it. It could be that like, that like saying one of the criteria is only a Jurabanan, that the real bill right to problem requires both, but once it's more permanent, we're going to rabbinically demand only one. It's not logical why, just because it's more permanent, if the two features combine, make it a tent, why one feature becomes more of a thing once it's more permanent. It does not make sense. Okay? <laughs> but anyway, but um, yeah, right, 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 yeah, a better example here. Which is the key one? So the kila is not being drawn here. These like, are like attached to a bed. Right, a kila would be a similar type of a canopy, but it would be more like a, you know, like a pup, like a something you, you, you know, you, you, you spread right, out and then you remove. It is draped over. Right, like a, just like a pup. It is draped over, but it's not like it's not a part of the bed, right? The kila is the blue one. Yeah. How's that different from the? Uh, because one is like a tent that you come and it's and it's portable and you open it up and then you remove it. This is a permanent part of the bed. This is just attached to the bed. Is okay. There another case where the bridal canopy comes to a point on the bottom? What? Is there another case that you would discuss where there's a bridal canopy that comes to a point at the top? That's what this is. Oh, that's I thought that's the tent. Uh, no, I mean both of these are cases on a bed. Oh, okay. They're both like you know again you sort of imagine. Oh, okay, okay. Right. I see. You, you imagine those are both different ways of, of being over bed, but it's more. You know, think, I don't know, think about the kilos like mosquito netting or something. These are like a fixture on the bed. Okay, so therefore those, only one is enough. Now, only one invalidates, where Shmuel requires both to invalidate. So now the Gemara says like this. Zarashrabha So with all those things, okay, at least Shmuel, everybody would agree that with two criteria it's invalid. But comes along Rabba Barafuna and he teaches, Mutalishan Bakila. You can swell in the Gila. It's ten fucking high. It has a roof. Fine. I mean, it's crazy. What do you do about all the brightness and missions that we quoted before? So the Gemara ah, says it actually will work out according to a particular opinion. Kiman, who is this going like to Rebbe Yehuda, like Rebbe Yehuda? Um, the Amar lo asi olarai mevatel keva. A temporary 
tent does not come and negate a permanent tent. Now you'll remember that Rabbi Yehuda is identified as one of the opinions that sees a sukkah as being permanent, as sukkah divas keva, and that's probably relevant. And all these things, your bed inside your sukkah, right, a canopy over a bed is temporary relative to, although we've been calling it more permanent than a pup tent, it's still temporary relative to the sukkah structure. And therefore he says, if you're in a bed, under a canopy, in a sukkah, and somebody said, where are you? You wouldn't say, I'm under my canopy. You'd say, I'm in my sukkah, right? So therefore he says, that does not define you as being in a separate space. It's only a temporary relative to the sukkah, which is permanent. Okay? So he says like this. Um, we would sleep underneath the bed in front of the elders and they never said anything to, uh, during sukkahs in the sukkah and they never said it was a problem so you see it's okay now you could have said that less attends fachim different types of things but the Gemara understands that it's a general principle that it is never a problem so the Gemara says so if he that's what he's basing himself on why say oh you can sleep in a kila even though it's tense fucking even though it has a roof just say oh we will like that Rebbe Yehuda of the Mishnah no because that Rebbe Yehuda of the Mishnah is not as obviously as as uh, strong as the statement that was made had you just say we were like Rebbe Yehuda I mean I would have said Hanimilimita Silagaba Suya fine if you're under a bed I'm not going to say you're in a separate space you're under a separate roof because the bed is made for sleeping on top of it. So being under a bed, right, you don't say the space under a bed is naturally defined as like a separate zone, a separate area, okay? It's not like it's made to serve as a roof to the area below it. Um, a, a, a canopy that is made for the area below it to serve as a roof to the area below it. Aim alone. Maybe we would not be lenient. Maybe in that case we would say you are under a different roof and you're not under the roof of a sukkah. Kamash Milan. So he's teaching us time is Rebbe Yehuda. The reasoning of Rebbe Yehuda is to lo ati mavato lo keva. That it is a categorical principle. The sukkah is o keva. All these things are considered temporary tents and it, was, it does not negate it meaning it does not make it like you're under a different roof. Fundamentally you're under the roof of the sukkah. Lo shna mitav lo kila. It doesn't matter whether you're talking about a bed or whether you're talking about a kila. Okay? It's an interesting question. Can you eat under a table in your sukkah? Alright? So <laughs> that would be based on this and now how we rule like so if you take a look at Tosos Mutulisha and Bekilaf Chosan and Besuk Alpisha Yishlagag Alpisha Gavasara ain't halacha okay <laughs> so the Gemara basically has identified this with Rabbi Yehuda we do not rule that way and we rule that you cannot okay but um, it might be if it's like underneath the table and something so temporary that's like the Kila you would need two things a Tefach and Ten Tzvachim I don't know a table has ten t- a Tefach does it have Ten Tzvachim three feet under the table thirty inches Probably not. It's a little lower. A little lower. Most, most cases. Okay. But that, that's, that is... That would have to be a twist on that famous Hasidic story about the guy who would, was under the table, right? The Nate guy... The, 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 okay, whatever. Yeah, like he goes down, he thinks he's a chicken. He, anyway, okay, yeah. <laughs> but this, this creates an interesting question for Shabbat. How can we set up voting... Ah, excellent. I was going to reference that. Right, the whole idea about you can't make an oil on Shabbat. Right. How do you create a folding table? So there's a lot of specifics about that, but one of the most basic differences is exactly what the Gemara said here. Fundamentally, it's not considered an ohel because it's 
not made for the space below it. It's made to serve the space above it. Okay, so that actually is a major reason why that's okay. Same by a folding chair and so on. Other reasons as well, but okay, that's a, it's on hinges, so it naturally opens and closes. Anyway, fine. Let's look at the next Mishnah. And we quoted this earlier. You sort of bent over your sukkah a, 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 a grapevine or a gourd. I always wonder why it gives the example of a gourd. I mean, I guess because it covers a lot of area, but you're not bending the gourd. You're bending, I guess, the vine, and now the gourd is, is, is serving as schach. A gourd sort of grows like... Gourds grow... They must grow above the ground, right? They're not... They're fruits. Okay. There's a kisom, or the kisom. I don't know how they translate kisom there. Rashi says it's a type of ivy. a vine. Ivy. Oh, ivy? Really? Okay. Interesting. Okay. There's a picture of a gourd here. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> and now you put the schach, and you use that to be the schach on top of the sukkah. So basically, you have stuff that's still attached to the ground. Psula, it's invalid because it's not enough that it grows from the ground. It has to be detached. Um, but if you added schach, and there's a majority of kosher schach, Okay, and before we discuss the issue about that, if you like mix it together so it's not that everything is in a distinct zone, then it all gets looked at as a unit and you go by the majority. So having a majority of kosher schach, again, if things are mixed together, that's one way to make it fine. And we discussed that earlier, and now we're going to look at the second part, which we did not discuss earlier. Oshakitsan, if you actually cut them. You had, the vine was over the sukkah, the gourd was over the sukkah, and then you just chopped, cut the vine. Okay, and now it's detached. Shera, that's principle. Cool. Now, that cloud is the principle. Closer with Kabel to Mava Ingidulaminaret, anything that can is susceptible for becoming tame, like a vessel or food that has water that has come in contact with it after it's been caught. And it does not grow from the ground, it means or it does not grow from the ground. You cannot use it for schach. But if it both does not is that cannot become tame, it's not a vessel. And number two, it also grew from the ground, um, and also, it's like I said, not food that became in contact with water, then, Mesachimbo, you can use it for schach. By the way, the food not in contact with water is interesting, because that's something that will become Tameh once it comes in contact with water. So, just because right now it cannot become Tameh, that sort of gets ruled out as well. Anything that could be in that category of being pot- potentially susceptible for becoming Tameh. Anyway, let's take a look at the Gemara, because the Gemara is going to focus on the case of cutting the vine after the schach is already on it. Yosef of Yosef coming to Rav Kuna. So Yosef was sitting in front of Rav Kuna. Yosef Vikama. And he was sitting and he was saying, If you cut it, it's kosher, um, the vine. But Rav says, not really. So you have to, even after you've cut the vine, you have to like, you know, move the uh, schach a little bit. Why? Because there's a general problem which you might be familiar with called ta'asev lomin ha'asuay. Chagasuko ta'aselecha. Okay, we're going to see it by tzitzit as well. The Bible says, G'dilim ta'aselecha. That when you make it into the object of a mitzvah, it has to be actively made. Not somehow indirectly something happened and then all of a sudden it came into existence. What would be that example? So, the classic example is, is that you have a haystack and you dig a hole in the haystack and now you have a sukkah, right? But the roof, remember, Sukkot primarily focuses on schach. So if you have to make the schach, you didn't actually make the schach. 
you made the cavity and the schach came into existence. Okay, that would not be good. Even though we said, remember, a sukkah does not have to be made for the sake of the chag. It only has to be made for the sake of giving shade. It could be made, you know, by non-Jews. It could be made for animals. Yes, but it has to be made. The schach has to be made, not just indirectly, you did something else and then it popped into existence. Okay, so therefore, here's going to be the question. You bent the schach over the roof. You bent the gourd over the roof. That was your act of making, but it wasn't yet kosher schach. You cut it, it became kosher schach. But it became kosher schach, but it wasn't made. It, was, it had already been made, but it was invalid. And when it became valid, it wasn't being made. So, it shouldn't be good. That's the question. Yes? That's what it applies to if you, if you put schach first. Right. The wall. Excellent question. So that's actually a machok as opposed to him. If you put the schach up and then you do the walls, so the schach is made, but the sukkah isn't kosher yet. Right? So that actually is, is, is actually debated in the postgame whether that's good or not. And that's actually very relevant because with our modern sukkahs, that would be very easy to do. Yeah. Right? You make the frame, throw up the schach, and then you put up the walls. Right? Yeah. So... Yeah, then you can just lift it up and down. Right? Right. right. But that's the question, whether that's necessary. So Rav says, you know what? Cutting it isn't enough. You have to move it a little bit. If that's true, there's not much of a chiddush in the Mishnah. Maybe the chiddush is you don't have to like literally take it off and put it back on. Just a little bit of moving is enough. Maybe lift it up a tefach. Not exactly clear how much. Uh, so that's what um, that's what Rav Yosef was saying. Amale Rav Huna. So Rav Huna said, Hashmuel Amra. That's not Rav. That's Shmuel who said that. So Adrina Rav Yosef was ape. So Rav Yosef turned his face away from him. He got really angry. He said, What are you doing contradicting me? I didn't say Shmuel didn't say it. I'm a Rav, I'm a Shmuel. Rav said it, Shmuel said it. Don't say no. Shmuel said that. They agree on it. <laughs> no, but he's saying, well, what, what, what are you doing correcting me? I said Rav said it. Good, Shmuel also said it. Don't correct me. So I'm a I'm a lay Rav Huna. Rav Huna said back to me, you misunderstood me. I was correcting you. This is what I was saying to you. To Shmuel Amra, below Rav. That's a position of Shmuel, and it's not a position of Rav. Rav actually would say, you don't have to move the schach. You could just cut it, and it would be okay. Why? Rav would say that case is kosher. Like a similar story with Rav Amram Chasida. He put chelef. Now, chelef is a word that is, uh, rep- means tzitzit, because it focuses, it doesn't mean just as chelef. There's actually an English word for that, for a, for a, for a something that a piece of something represents the whole. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, anyway, there's some literary term. Anyway, chelef in the Gemara means tzitzit. Okay, most of the time, like in this context, not always. So he put tzitzit, for the parzuma, for the talis of Inche Beise, the people of his household, which the people of his household generally means the women, his wife. So interesting in what's going on right now in the last two weeks in the Jewish community. He was making tzitzis for his wife. He felt that uh, women are obligated in tzitzis. It's not limited to the daytime. It applies at night as well. So he was making tzitzis for his wife. Okay. Tla'an, the low pasik Rosh Chutin Shalahad. He's suspended them which means he stuck them in the hole okay he inserted them but he did not cut the heads of them um, so what does that mean it means if you know how like if you imagine a string fold over a long string like four times right fold it over four times you have like four ends but at two of the ends they're looped they're not really four strings it's really one big string folded over four times 
take that, put it through the hole of the tzitzit, use the loose thing to do all the knots and all the winding, and now you have a whole thing of tzitzit really made with one string. And after you're done, if you snip the loops, then you're going to get your four strings. But when you're making it, it's one string, not four strings. Okay? So that's what he did. Um... Also, the coming to Avchia Barashi, he came in front of Avchia Barashi. Amalei, Hachia Marav. Here's what Rav says: Mefaskan v'hinkshirim. Sure, you can snip them and they'll be fine. The act of snipping them and making them into four strings is the act of making them into tzitzit. Okay, so that actually is valid. Presumably, it's not past sevelomin asoy because it required an act. Although the act was not the physical act of making. The act was the halachic act. Like, it wasn't a physical act of like putting him in the hole and twisting or whatever, but it was a physical act and it made them kosher. That is considered the act of making. Okay, so yes, and the same is by snipping the gourd off of the vine, right? It is a physical act. It's not done to the gourd itself. It's done to the vine. It wasn't an act of putting the gourd on the sukkah, but it was a physical act. It did make it valid. That is considered an act of making the object. Okay? So that's what Rav says. Mephaskan, cut them, behang shayrim, they'll be kosher. Alma, psikatan, zuhi afiatan. The cutting of them is the making of them, even though it was not the winding of the string and putting it in the hole. It was a physical act done that made it valid. That is considered making it. Hachanami, here too, psikatan, zuhi afiatan. Cutting the vine is the making of the schach. So Rav would actually say, and that's actually the more Pashab shot of the Mishnah, that it's a sufficient to cut it. Okay. So Savar Shmuel, so now the Gemara says, the Shmuel hold, the Shmuel disagree with that. Cutting it is not making it. Shmuel himself teaches in the name of Rebichia. Basically what you did is, you took the two corners of your garment and you put them together and you put your four strings of seat between the two corners of your garment, right? You, you get, like, you got the holes, right? So, we have an example. Anyway, here. <laughs> Take off my jacket. So, a little, a little show and demonstration. What you did was, right, you put your two corners together. You have holes in each of them, right? You put the four strings through the holes, right? And then you go ahead and whatever, you know, you got a lot of like loose stuff going on here. You wrap it, you do the whole thing, but really you've got just, you know, you don't have two sets of four strings. You have one set of four strings, and after, again, you're done with the whole thing, then you snip it. Okay, a similar idea that first you make it, and then, and, then, and then you snip it, and only then does it really become the right types of strings. All right, so it's very similar to the other case with a, a variation. Um, and afterwards only after you sort of put them through and you know made them into CT you cut them and you turn them into two sets of strings it's kosher so you see Shmuel holds also cutting it is enough so my love does it not mean like I described it to you that first you did all the knotting and everything was done and it was still invalid and the last thing you did was you separated them so you see that act of separation was what made them isn't that the scenario so it says well no that's not necessarily the scenario first you snipped them the only thing you did wrong or you did unusual was you put them through both holes at the same time right but as soon as you got them through both holes you snipped them right at that moment and then when you did the knotting and the twisting that was all everything was totally fine okay so the only thing you did wrong was the putting in the holes 
Mylememus. Um, then what's the Chiddush? So then, of course, you made it kosher. Because once you started with your twisting and your nodding, you had two sets of four strings. Who cares that you put them in the holes at the same time? No, Mao Detema, I might have thought. The p'til means the string. The knaf is the corner. So when you have the string in it, when you initially insert the string, it has to be one, you know, one corner, not here where the string is in two corners, the leka, and you don't have it, kamash malan. So fine, I might have thought that even at the moment you insert it in, right, it has to be, you know, it has to be like exactly in the right form. No. You can cut, insert it, then cut it, and then you can start your, your, you know, your twists and your knots. But at least there, when you're doing your twists and your knots, you're doing an actual asiyah and everything is kosher. So the only chiddush there is when you insert it in the hole, it doesn't have to be totally kosher yet. But, but nevertheless, the knotting and the tying and the twisting, all of that is totally kosher. That's a real asiyah. As opposed to Rav, who says you could wait to the very end of the process, and cut it then, and that cutting at the end will make the whole, will, do the, will, will, will be the entire asiya, will be the entire making of it. Okay. Kamash that you don't need that. Basic. So now I'm going to ask you, on, um, on Rav's idea that you can cut it at the end. Tla'an, below pasak roshe you put the tzitzit in the hole, and you didn't cut the head. Psulim, it's invalid. So that's a question to Rav, who says you can just cut, cut them. Does that, doesn't that mean that they remain pasul now that you've made them into tzitzit? There's no way to fix it. The Rav, a contradiction to Rav. I'm like, Rav, Rav will say to you, no, my psulim, psulim, I keep secure. No, it means they're invalid right now. But you can still fix it, just cut it. Which is pretty funny, because then what's the chiddish? But okay, the chiddish is, is that they have to be four separate strings. It can't be one string bolded over four times. But, uh, yeah, fine, just means it's invalid until you start it. The Shmuel says, no, psulim la'olam. Give me a break. Psulim means it's totally invalid. You have to make it when it's four strings. You cannot cut it at the end. And that's what Levi says, psulim la'olam. They're always invalid. I mean, of course, you could untie it and do it again. But meaning, in this state, where all the, it's already been tied and knotted, there's nothing you can do. Uh, that's a pretty funny v'chein since it's Rav Masna quoting Shmuel but okay anyway Rav is a lone voice here that says that cutting at the end is like the making of it okay no I'm, what I meant was no 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 when it says this A poskins this and B and C and D poskins it actually that supports the position supports no what I was saying was was that the Gemara said the phrase was specifically kulus virilhu when an Amor comes and identifies a number of different tanayim that are all variations on a theme it says so and so and so and so and so and so kulus virilhu X but that's often said as a way of like marginalizing that position they're all coming from this you know unusual position of, of, of X but this is a discussion where we're just saying he poskins this way he poskins he poskins as that's opposed to identifying distinct tanayim in distinct cases and saying they're all part of a similar camp um, that, yeah, that was what I was referring to before when Abai was identifying Ziraf Kappa. Okay. So, alright. So that's what we have. We did that. Igadami, some say, Amarav Masna, Bidihave Uvda. Actually, this exactly happened with me is that I did the whole folding over and I made my tissus and then I needed to cut it. The Asay Bakamikamashmul and I came in front of Shmuel, but Amarli Psuli Mola. And Shmuel said, I'm sorry, buddy, you can't just cut them, you gotta undo it and do the whole thing again. It remains in doubt. Okay. So basically, Rav is a, is, is a lone voice here. Um, Igadami, others say, Amarav Masna, I'm glad I said that. 
Here's another challenge on Rav. It says you suspended them, and then it says, and you cut them after you put them in the hole. It says they're invalid, right? That's a real contradiction on Rav. It explicitly says even after cutting, it's invalid. The O Tanya Gabi Sukkah, and we talk by Sukkah. Um, you shall make you shall make your sukkah and not something that is all pre-made made indirectly and not directly made by you and from this, this they said if you bent the gourd or the vine or the ivy on your sukkah and you put and it's invalid so, hey, dummy, what's the, why is that an application of the principle of Tasev Elohim The way it's described, the problem is that it's Pasul Schach. If the scenario is that you got your gourd on your sukkah, but it hasn't been cut, that's not an application of the Tasev Elohim principle. Tezukwe, learn it out, that it's attached to the ground. That's the problem of the case. So how is this being given as an example of Tasev Alaminasoi? Ella Pishakitatsan, the only explanation is, is that the Bright is assuming you bent the gourd over and then you cut it. And the, that's why it's a principle of Tasev Alaminasoi. And that's no good because it was not made when it was kosher. It was first made and then became kosher. Fiktani Psula, and it says it's invalid. And you see that the cutting does not make it. It's shifted to Rav, and it's a contradiction to Rav. So these are pretty good proofs against Rav. Let's, however, not forget that the simple sense of the Mishnah um, supports Rav. The simple sense of the Mishnah says you cut it and it's kosher. Okay, and Shmuel has to add, oh, no, 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 you move the tzach afterwards, etc. But okay, the Gemara here has some other things that contradict Rav. So I'm a Rav, so Rav will tell you, Hakad Mayaskina, what are we talking about here? Deshalfinu Shlufe. You didn't like do it a nice snip with a scissor and really cut it. You sort of like uh, you sort of like like uh, yanked it out, but it's out of the ground, but it's sort of like it's it's still intertwined with the vines, you know? Imagine you got like a heavy vine growth and you know, you sort of pull something out and it's still there. Visu- visibly it looks like it's still connected to the ground. It's still like the, a lot of you know, you've got something that's like sheathed in a, in bark and you pull it out and it's still sheathed in the bark even though it's not completely attached anymore. So that's the scenario. So visi- so therefore um, okay, so in that case, it's not obvious that you that you actually have transformed it. Technically, it's not mechubar, but it's not obvious. So it's a weak answer because who cares if it's not obvious? Halachically, that's considered a making. That's considered a making. It sounds like he's creating some durabanan problem. Like it does not look obviously separate, and therefore it's going to rabbinically remain a problem because it still looks attached. Okay, although then the problem should be that it's considered a task, not tasevelomina asui. So he's reframing it as if you don't do an obvious change of what the object looks like, an obvious physical change, right, then you are, um, um, then we cannot halachically call it, probably let's say rabbinically, we cannot call it like you've transformed it. You've now made the schach. To say your cutting makes it means that it will only be willing to acknowledge that if there's a visible change. If you've changed it halakhically without it being too visible, we won't call, consider that a new making. So the Gemara says, uh, Fine, but that doesn't deal with the case by the tzitzis, which is very visible. The case of the tzitzis says if you put the strings in and then you cut it, it's invalid, even after you cut it. 
So, Kasha Larab. So, Mrs. Kasha, fine, you're right, it's difficult. This, the, these brightas, some of this evidence is going against Rav and does, makes it sound like cutting does not suffice. Okay, one more try. Maybe we'll say, in order to a little bit back up Rav, because we have now some evidence against him, although the simple sense of the mission is like him, maybe this issue is a debate of Tanayim, okay, whether cutting it is a making of it for Taset purposes. By the way, Anytime the Gemara says lema kitanai, let's say it's like a debate of Tanai, it means it's going to reject it. <laughs> if it says kitanai, that means we're going to make the assertion and stick with it that, it's con- that it corresponds to a debate of Tanai. Lema kitanai means let's say that it is, and we're going to say no, it actually is not necessarily that's what's going on. Okay, but we're going to now try to find maybe some Tana that supports Rav. Over the Likton, you have, if this is going on a mission we'll see later, that you have, a, you have a hadas that has berries on it. I don't know if anybody ever saw a hadas with berries. You can see it sometimes. And it says if there are too many berries, it invalidates the hadas. Okay? So, um, what? There, uh, there's a picture. There you go. <laughs> now, you went ahead and you, pl- and you picked the berries off of the hadas. Pasul, it's invalid. Divirei B'Shemin Bar that's what B'Shemin Bar says. Plucking the berries doesn't help. The Chami Machshim, the Chami say it's kosher. Now that's a very bizarre debate. Mm. Why would anybody say it's invalid? Even if you can't have the berries, so pluck off, pluck them off. Right? Why should fixing it not work? You plucked off the berries. So here's how the Gemara is going to explain what that debate is about. Savrua, we're assuming, Everybody is assuming that you have to make a knot in your sukkah. We'll see later it's a debate whether in a sukkah you have to knot the three meaning together, like we do. The lulu of the hadas and the arava. I mean, we do it with this, uh, you know, this accordion type of a thing. I actually don't like the accordion thing. I actually just take a string, for a strand of the, of, of the, of the lulu leaf, and I sort of make it thin. I, you know, do it like lengthwise, and I use it as a nice string, and I make a double knot. We can talk about that when we get to the third parak. But anyway, that's the idea that you have to knot the three things together. So, um, that's a position of Reb Yehuda, but now we're going to assume that everybody holds that position. If that's true, right, otherwise, what's the tasset for the, for the lula, for the, you know, for the aminim? You're not making them, you're not making it into the mitzvah object, what, plucking it off the tree? And anyway, why don't we say the plucking of the berries is the making of it? So the only way you have a tasset problem by lulav is if you have to make it into a bundle. If there's an idea of a bundle of three of them, and that's made by knotting them together, that's the making. Now we can get an interesting scenario. You bundled them together, and you knotted them together, and one of them was invalid. So that's like putting the schach on the top of the sukkah while it's invalid. Now you're going to make it valid. You're going to pluck the berries off. So now you've made it kosher, but after it's already been physically made into that object, after it's been made into the buzzo, now you're making a kosher. So maybe, says the Gemara, that's the debate that's going on here. Whether the plucking of the berries, once it's in the bundle, can be considered like you've now made the bundle. Whether you've done the right making of the lulav or not. So let's take a look. Um, okay, so it says like this. Uh, okay. Um, so Savrua Amalulav Tar you need to make it into a bundle, so therefore there's an idea of making it. The Lulav and we learn Lulav from Sukkah that there's an act of making. You shall make where the rabbinic interpretation is not something that is sort of made by itself. So and the same way if you need a bundle by a Lulav, you have an act of you need to do an act of making. 
And my love, Akimiflagi. Let's see if this is what they debate. The man, the master, the one that says it's kosher, hold. I mean, in Gabi Sukkot, Tisas and Yatan, that the cutting of it is the making of it. And you would say that by the schach of the sukkah. And with Gabi Lulav Nami, I mean, in Likikas and Yatan, similar by plucking the berries. When you plucked the berries and made it into a kosher hadas, now that is considered the act of making it into a bundle. Uman the puzzle, the one that says invalid, Savar Lor, meaning Gabi Sukkot, Tisas and Yatan, no. Cutting is not an act of making. It doesn't work by sukkah. Similar by lulav, we don't say plucking the berries makes it into, is the act of making, and therefore it remains invalid because it was already part of the bundle. So maybe that's the exact debate, whether the, the cutting and the making of it kosher is like the act of making of the object. So, so is that a way to read it? And it says, well, not necessarily. A lot of other ways they could be debating. I'll give you this possibility. Everybody holds like Shmua, which is clearly the direction the Gemara is going. That cutting does not make it, is not considered an act of making. And maybe I'll even concede that you need to have an Eged by a Sukh, by a Lulav. But that doesn't mean that the word, when do we say this principle of Ta'asev Lominasoy? It's not a universal principle. Anytime you need a mitzvah object, you have to actively make it. We limit it to places where the verse says Ta'asev. Gidilim ta'aseh lecha. Right, tzitzit. You shall make for yourself tzitzit. Sukhaka sukhos ta'aseh lecha. You shall make. So it's like, you know what? Maybe lulav need it has to be a bundle. But nobody ever told you you needed an act of making. It never says ta'aseh by lulav. Okay, so that's the debate. Do you learn lulav from sukkah? The one that says it's kosher says you don't learn lulav from sukkah. Sukkah might have to be a bundle, but it doesn't need an active act of making. Kumanda Puzzle, the one that says it's invalid, some of your female Lula means sukkah. No! The same way sukkah needs an active act of making, the same is true by the Lula. That's one way they could debate. They all agree you need a bundle, they all agree cutting isn't good. The question is, do you need an active act of making? Do you need ta'aseh? The Ibai Seima, here's another way of saying the debate. Israel under Lula Tzarek Eged were we to hold that you needed a bundle and uh, uh, you know by lulav everybody can see you need a bundle by lulav so we're going to learn it from sukkah you need to actively make the bundle but this will be the debate one holds it needs to be a bundle and therefore plucking the berries afterwards is no good because when it was made into a bundle it was invalid and the other said it doesn't need to be a bundle and therefore what do I care if you pluck the berries afterwards okay it doesn't have to be a bundle to begin with so there's no problem of indirectly making it nothing has to be made you don't need a bundle and this question whether Lulav needs a bundle or not so we're basically now by the way done with the discussion of we've agreed that we've shown that all the weight Although Rav is the simple sense of the Mishnah, the weight of the Gemara's discussion and the weight of the Brisa's points to Shmuel, that once something is made, cutting it and making it kosher is not an act of making. Okay? And, um, and therefore, um, and what's going on by Lulav is different discussions, whether it needs an egged, does it need an egged, and so on. Whether Lulav requires an act of making, but the general principle is that something needs to be made, like tzitzis or Lulav, or sukkah, it has to be made when the thing is kosher. You can't make it, and then even by doing a physical act, like cutting it, that would not, that would not be enough to be considered that you have made it. 
Okay, so <coughs> Dov does raise, I think, does repeat an interesting question. What if you made the schach and afterwards the walls were made? It had reminded me that there's some uh, post Akronim want to bring a proof to that from a discussion earlier in the Gemara. Remember the Gemara said, like, if something works for Shabbos, it works for Sukkah. Like, if it was, a, you know, if it was Sukkah Shabbos and you had the Lechi and it worked for your Mubway and Shabbos, now it's going to work for Sukkah. So some say, ah, look, that's a case where the walls got made after the schach was already up. Because <laughs> you had the schach up, you had two walls, came Shabbos, and, we, and then that was like a third wall got created. <laughs> so that's an interesting example used for the idea that maybe making the walls after the schach is good. But here we're talking about the schach as the focus, and when the schach is up, it has to be kosher. Yes. Yeah, usually we follow Rav again. I know, but usually. But here when all the evidence points in one way, and the discussion of the Gemara points in one way. So now let's just wrap up this issue of Lulav Tzarech Eged. And this is based on the debate of Tanayim. The tiny we turn to kosher. Whether a lulav is bound together with the hadas and the arav, it's kosher. If you don't marry a good kosher, she ain't puzzle. Only if it's bound, is it kosher. My time at Rabbi Yehuda, what's his reasoning? He learns the verse, take, take. It says, take a lulav. And it says, take the bundle of the azov. And there, the object that's taken is a bundle with the other sort of things that are mentioned. Here, too, it has to be bundled. You take a bundle of Ezov, right, which is bundled with other things. The same way, that's a bundle of the other objects mentioned here, too. By the way, why not also bundle up the esrog? If you have to bundle it, why does the esrog yeah. so You could just say it's physically a little awkward, but who cares? If you need a bundle, you need a bundle. So the command discusses it later, but I'll just tell you, it's indicated by the psukim. Because it says, by the pasuk, right? So there's no vav that connects the esrog to the lulav. Mm-hmm. But the lulav has a vav connecting the lulav and the arve nachal, and the hadas, and the arve nachal. So those are all connected with the vav, but they're not connected to the esrog. They're, so that actually is how they learn that the bundo is without the esrog. Okay. So, Rabbana, what did the rabbi say back? We don't make that connection. Taman Azahatitanya, who is it going like that which we teach in a bright up? Lulav mitzvah la'ogdo. It's a mitzvah to make the bundle. The lo'ogdo kasher. If you didn't make it, it's still kasher. I Rebbe Yehuda, if it's Rebbe Yehuda, ki lo'ogdo my kasher. Then why is it that he have a kasher? Rebbe Yehuda explicitly says if it's not in a bundle, it's invalid. I Rebbe if it's the rabbis, am I mitzvah? Where's this mitzvah coming from? It is the rabbi. It's because of the idea of this is my God and I will beautify him or glorify him. Glorify yourself in front of him in the doing of mitzvot, which is interpreted to mean make the mitzvot look beautiful. So bundling it up is not a requirement of a bundle per se. It is a way of making it look beautiful. Now I should say, and we'll discuss it more when we learn the third parak, that there's an interesting debate. Is the idea here purely aesthetic? this idea of an egget for the rabbis. So, even if it's not halachically, let's say it's a technical knot, you know, but you make a beautiful thing that brings them all together, but it's not technically, like, knotted together. It's all really an aesthetic point. It looks nicer when it's all together. Or they say no, that almost at, like, a conceptual level, 
making it a bundle is a, you know, having it halachically be knotted together, you know, is what is considered to be a nicer fulfillment, even beyond the aesthetic point. So this leads to the issue of, like, you have to make a double knot. Like some people, like me personally, I don't like those accordion things. A, I don't like it because the leaves always get pulled off. And B, I actually think that the simple string and the knot actually looks nicer. It looks more, I don't know, it's just more natural. But, you'll have to but anyway, I will. It's very trivial. It's so, it's so easy. Anyway, but some people will say, actually, it's not kosher. It's not, it's not the kosher, but you don't fulfill the rabbinic idea, the rabbi's lechatchila of eged because it's not a double knot. And for an eged, you need a double knot. So if you say it's just an issue of aesthetics, who cares if it constitutes a double knot or not? But if you say, no, the concept of being a bundle, of a halachic bundle, then, that's, then you might, even for the rabbis, to get that lichachila, need a double knot. Others say, because it's held very firmly, it serves the same function as a double knot. But anyway, it, there is an important question of what does this zekeli ganveu mean in this context if it's limited just to the aesthetic point. Okay. We will end with that.